I like drinking beer and I like talking hockey when I get to do both. I feel pretty lucky. Oh, let's get pucked up. Oh, I popped. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're pulling at me. I got it on my iPad. (laughs) (laughs) I pulled a Quimmins. All right. Welcome to another uh, just... (laughs) destructive beginning to an episode of let's get pucked up i am your host robin coimans uh with me today is wyatt danowski and he's gone to get something to clean off his ipad i believe um, Shit. <laughs> <laughs> let's give it a good wipe there um so yeah it's been a while it's been over a month um sorry things have been super duper busy with uh school coming to a close this year has been crazy um just going through exams and everything and honestly, uh, maybe part of me just needed a little bit of time to decompress after the Leafs and Jets, my two favorite teams, got annihilated by the hated Montreal Canadiens by Granger's Habs. So, uh, yeah, I haven't really been in the mood for it for a little while, but um, I'm here with you again, and I am enjoying uh, Fernie Brewing Company Hazy IPA Hit the Deck, it's called. It is a juicy hot punch, and it is delicious. Um, so, yeah, Wyatt, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing quite well, uh, just relaxing, trying not to think about the impending chaos that the offseason is going to provide us this year with the expansion draft and Paul Marie still coaching the Winnipeg Jets. So <laughs> they had to win that first series and they had to sweep it, didn't they? So, so yeah, it's been pretty good. Uh, I'm drinking a beer called Cussword. Uh, it's by Vessel Brewing in Winnipeg. Uh, it's a coffee dessert beer. And it has um, really, it's apparently uh, has lactose. It's, it's like fresh and it has a nice little taste to it. It doesn't actually look that dark, which is weird. So yeah. well, I, like a good, I like a good lactose beer. And uh, you know who else likes a good beer with his hockey talk is uh, Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> we, will, we will be getting into that a little bit later. I just wanted to tease that out. But first, we do have to give Tampa Bay their props for an incredible run in the playoffs yet again this year. Uh, A lot of people are going to want to put an asterisk next to this cup as well as their last cup due to it being during the pandemic and this one being with the the whole salary cap fiasco situation, the 19 million over quote unquote. But hey, I don't care about that. They played by the rules as they're written. Their GM took advantage of it. They were actually the team that played against uh, the Blackhawks when they had Patrick Kane come off of long-term IR for the playoffs in 2015 for the Stanley Cup. And they complained back then. The league did nothing about the rules. And so, hey, they might as well benefit from those rules. Wyatt? They're also the only team that voted, or one of the few teams that voted against that rule. And they were like one of the five teams that voted against it. Everyone else said no. And they're like, cool. Well, I guess we'll just ruin all of you with our cap management which i think is just the best way to like protest that it's like okay we'll use it to our advantage and win back-to-back cups absolutely it's a perfect case of if you can't beat them destroy them <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah tampa they had an incredible team this year somehow i think even better than the team that they put together last year based on the the sheer salary cap metrics of it you would have to say so uh, my question for you, Wyatt, right off the bat is, do you think that this Tampa Bay Lightning team is the best team of the cap era? 
Uh, could you could you give me um, when does when do you think the cap era started? Like when did they? I'm going to say like 2005 okay. and onward. Uh, I would I would say the, the the like manipulation of the cap and ha- and then like keeping everyone together for this year I think was a really good um, like really good plan by Breezebla. So in essence, like having playing without your star player or one of your star players all season and then finishing, I don't know, did they finish first in their, were they first? No, they finished third in their division. So like the regular season was not a smashing success for them by their measures, but they still had like 75 points or something like that. Yeah, Um, I think, I think it still would have been, they still would have, I don't think they really needed to like win the whole thing, like win the regular season because that happened three years ago. And we all know how that, how that happened to them when they played the Columbus Blue Jackets and got swept. So at the end of the day, I think it's good to have a little bit of like, they just, I think their main goal was to win the cup, not to win the regular season. So I, I don't know that much about the numbers, but I do think that they're one of the better teams for the salary cup era. Like there's no weaknesses on that team. And like, it's a very deep team and the team that arguably shut down what three other teams, the Canadians had no answer really. Yeah. So yeah, I'll throw out a few just possible arguments to go against you, but I I think, I think my heart is in the same place. I think I would say that this Tampa team is probably the best team I've seen assembled in the cap era, but um, you could look at maybe like one of the strongest iterations of the Chicago Blackhawks is holding a a candle to them with uh, the fact that they didn't really have any glaring weaknesses the first run they had anti Niemi in net, which is something you need to improve upon. But once they got Corey Crawford and he was a pretty solid goaltender, you look at that, you look at their lines rolling, um, like Taves, Kane, Hosa, Sharp. Um, and then you have guys stepping up like uh, Brandon Saad or the one crazy playoffs that Brian Bickle had. Um, even that 2010 team, which I did just like kind of, put aside because of Niemi had Dustin Bufflin when he was just becoming a a big factor too. So these were teams that were pretty tough to play against. Obviously Keith and Seabrook in their prime were pretty, pretty amazing. Um, Yalmerson was a really good defenseman for them as well. Um, So it's hard to go against those teams, but I feel like this Tampa team just has like Steven Stamkos was probably like their sixth or seventh best player. That's insane. Like, if like is there, he was their third line center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like, like talk about depth. Yeah, yeah. Like to have, yeah. Or like he was like second line center or like that third line with like Yanni Gord. Like I didn't have, I had no idea that that was like going to be such a shutdown line yeah. of, and that also could score. Yeah. You go through their forwards. They have like guys who weren't able to crack the lineup, like Matthew, Matthew Joseph, who would probably be like, a middle six guy on most teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy like Carter Verhage, who didn't get signed this last year, is proof of that. He couldn't make the team last year and becomes a first line winger in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this team is really good. Um, hard, hard to hard to overstate. And you consider how good Vasilevsky is in net for them too, like just deep all the way through. Um, so yeah, props to Tampa. And speaking of Vasilevsky, he won the Conn Smythe Trophy. There was a, a pretty healthy debate for a while as it being a three-horse race between him, Point, and Kucherov. Kind of got whittled down to him and Kucherov by the end of things. 
Um, and I guess some people were still, for whatever reason, saying price in a losing cause. But uh, I think it's a pretty clear one-two between Vasilevsky and Kucherov. So why do you think that they made the the voters made the right choice with Vasilevsky? Yeah, I think so. Like um, to to have twelve, there's there were twelve shut, shutouts in the playoffs. Vasilevsky had five of the 12. So like almost half of the shutouts in the entirety of the playoffs were from him, which is just like unprecedented. And I think every time they had to clinch a series, he would shut out the opposition. So that's like, if you're, if you're looking at like, who's the most valuable player, like he literally got them to move on. So I think that kind of cements my, under my like, vote for Vasilevsky and uh, Kucherov is good. He led the, led the, led them in like points and stuff like that. But overall, I think, yeah, I think Vasilevsky is like, Oh, you didn't give me the Vesna final. I will do the, I'll stone everybody and then make sure I get the consmite, which I think is a better award anyways. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, sorry, just one sec. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would, it's, it's hard to go against Kucherov with the playoffs that he had. Um, you look at the fact that he had just a ridiculous point total way higher than anyone else. But Vasilevsky, here's a crazy stat. He has now recorded a shutout in each of the last five series clinchers for the lightning. Insane. Like, it's insane. When it, when it's like the, when they need him to step up, he steps up so, so big. And yeah, he's, I think at this point, he's got to be like undeniably the best goaltender in the world. Yeah, easily, I think. Yeah. And like, fun fact, like, we didn't even talk about Braden Point in the last discussion. Like, they also had Braden Point there as well. Like, how deep is this team? Like, if what, if Point doesn't really show up, or if Kutrov doesn't show up, then like, I think the last five scores for Tampa Bay were like Barkley Goodrow. And uh, Pat Maroon and Ross Colton, Ross Colton, like these guys, <laughs> these like bottom six that are scoring, and like it, they didn't have to depend on Stamkos really, which is I think different a different Tampa Bay team than we've seen in the past. Yeah. So yeah, because it's just scoring throughout, incredible depth, an incredible team, uh, and then like Eric Chernak was yeah. like he's unreal. He had like. <laughs> 10 or 11 points in the playoffs or something like that. Like, it's crazy. This is a guy who's like known purely for being a shutdown defender. And he just like feels like going on a run in the playoffs. Like when you get production from those guys, from Tyler Johnson stepping in and uh, yeah. just being unreal. Um, yeah. The, I, I would kill for that kind of depth on my team. Yeah. So, so I think, I think it made, I think for Vasilevsky, it wasn't, he wasn't, uh, dependent on that much like price was I feel like price needed to be good for the Canadians to have a chance and so price struggled in the first part of that series in the play in the final because they they didn't play very good in front of them and so you don't necessarily need and like Vaskowski is that good that they that he can like win games for you even if your team's not playing well and it's definitely not to take anything away from Price, like when I was saying, like it's a stupid narrative or whatever that he would win in a losing cause in this situation because he had an incredible playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, he was the sole reason, not the sole reason, but he was the biggest reason the Canadians made it through this far. Um, I think wasn't wasn't the last goalie 
to get the consummate. Was that Jaguar in a losing cause? Yeah, I think so. I think he's the last person to get a consummate in a losing cause. But yeah, he had like a like, nine fifty save percentage or something. So I was like, that's pretty. That's a pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Like that. Like to to be that dominant and still not win. I think is like that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, and the interesting debate heading into the finals was Carey Price if he was the favorite for the Conn Smythe at that point, and a lot of people said yes. Like most people would have picked him when it was a zero zero when the series hadn't started. And I always found that interesting because you looked at Vasilev, even just Vasilevsky versus Price, not even considering Point or Kucherov at that point. And Vasilevsky had the better numbers. He had the shutout streak in the series clinching games. Um, and people were like, well, he's playing behind an incredible defense. And I don't know if I agree with that. I think that Montreal, structurally, their defense is just as good as Tampa's. Mm-hmm. I think that what it comes down to is Tampa has a more potent offense. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't think that Vasilevsky has like absolute, like he's got good defensemen in front of him. Don't get me wrong, but the system and the structure that they play with, I don't think makes it super easy on him. Like he has to make some absolutely ridiculous 10 bell saves at, like to, to keep his team winning all these games. So I personally felt like Vasilevsky should have been favored over price heading into the series. And I'm glad that he got his due by the end of it. Um mm-hmm even though I do think it was super close. It was like neck and neck for those two to, and Kucherov as well to be like the three main favorites heading in. But yeah, Vasilevsky was unreal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so maybe now we'll, we'll move on to talking about the guy who possibly deserved it, didn't quite get it, but had one hell of a press conference. That's Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> um, so Wyatt, I'm assuming you saw the press conference in its, uh, in its glory. Uh <laughs> And uh, one thing that he, he may not have got the Conn Smythe trophy, but as we've learned in the last couple of hours, he has a Bud Light sponsorship now. <laughs> pretty amazing for, uh, for Kucherov. So what did you think about that uh, presser that he gave? I think, I think it's just like no fucks given. <laughs> like, like he just won, he just won the champion. He just won like the Stanley cup. He can do whatever he wants. Like I get, I think it's, it was contractual. Like he had to go on and like speak to them. And so he's like, okay, this is stupid, but okay, I'll, I'll do it anyways. And like, not make a mockery of it, but like do it on his terms, which I'm like, that's cool. Like if you, if like you're taken away from your teammates and like the, the hardest trophy to win and the hardest like playoff format to win in. Right. And you have to go talk to reporters asking the same questions. Like we need, more personality in the NHL. And like, if we can get more of that, that's awesome. And like, people are criticizing him, like he's classless. And I was like, well, he just won the Stanley cup. Like he's like, so excited. Like what, what, that's is how, this is how he celebrates. He's obviously drunk, but like, <laughs> wouldn't you be <laughs> like you, like you were, I think I really want him to like, keep not keep getting drunk and going on press conferences, but like showing that personality because that's, the NHL is so boring and yeah. like the only, the only thing that like made this like, you know, reach out to other fans who don't watch the NHL was this press conference. And like, if you, if you can keep embracing that, that's, I think that's something that NHL should do more of. Yeah. I loved his, uh, his turn as a villain there, especially <laughs> in like the Montreal media, partially in the Vegas and Winnipeg media as well, because of how he, uh, kind of put down past Vesna winners and couldn't even remember Marc-Andre Fleury's name, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just so much going on in such a short amount of time in that 
presser clip. Like it was a minute and 20 seconds long. First of all, he comes out with no shirt on, obviously drunk, but drunk off of Bud Light, which is hard to do. Um, a lot of- yeah, you would have had to just pound like 12 Bud Lights in like <laughs> less than less than like 30 minutes, really, because it wasn't that long after they'd won that he uh, came came back oh. out. Um, so he was just like shotgunning Bud Lights nonstop in that in that locker room, I imagine. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So then he gets on gets on camera, just starts going off about uh wasi as the mvp wasi mvp and uh, <laughs> i'm like like what do you mean by that uh like con Smythe, i guess but like he's also talking about the the vesna at the same time is like is such a confusing but dr- amazing drunken uh <laughs> <laughs> or like just difficult conversation to to maneuver but you, you figured out you figured out what he was trying to say eventually mm-hmm. um so yeah the vesna stuff was awesome but like the the Habs shade, the unnecessary Habs shade was next level. Um, just like, just th- throwing the fans under the bus for celebrating uh, a Stanley Cup final win, which they have all the right to do. Like, I don't, I am, like, Habs fans don't listen. You should be booing Kucherov the second he steps on the ice. And, uh, and but that's, that's, but I love that. I love that he's created this dynamic um, because, like, as you said, the NHL is boring. It needs more characters it needs more personality and Kucherov was bringing that during that presser um so yeah I'm very happy to see him as a villain and to be potentially booed in like multiple cities now next year and like not to get on like the Kucherov fan bus but like 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 fuck the Habs fans like those those fans are the like they're probably up there with least fans like the most insufferable fan base (laughs) like hearing I don't know if like hearing what Mark Shifley had to go through with like his parents getting called and like getting harassed when he knocked out Jake Evans. I was like, I hope this fan base just gets destroyed. Like it's so, it's so embarrassing to like go and call the parents and like criticize them and like harass like Shifley's parents, even though they had nothing to do with it. And like his family members, like, like that's so classless. So like you're calling Kucherov classless for calling out that fan base, like good for them. Like, yes, the Habs really shouldn't have been in the, in the finals. And, and the playoffs aren't going to be like this next year. A Canadian team's not going to automatically make the semifinals. So, and I guess that's like coming to what we're going to be talking about later. But still, like, like who cares? Like, he, he gets to have a personality. And, like, maybe if you wanted Kucherov to shut up, you would play better and push the – and win the Stanley Cup. But you didn't. So he gets to say whatever he wants. So I feel like we're already venturing pretty closely into our next segment, which is going to be inspired by Kucherov's airing of his grievances, which is our airing of our own grievances that we've had throughout these playoffs. Wyatt has uh, kind of kicked things off lightly, a little like uh, soft start there with uh, talking about Habs fans. But yeah, I have to say, Wyatt, over the last month plus that I've not been doing this podcast, I have been just like, taking notes of the various things, adding the ammunition up of things that have just pissed me off with the sport that I supposedly love, but they just like love that. I just also hate so much sometimes. And uh, some of these things are directly related to the playoffs. Some of these things are just things that happen to happen in the duration of time that the playoffs were going on. But uh, yeah, if it's okay with you, Wyatt, uh, I think we should air some of our grievances that we have about hockey right now. So I am going to kick things off and talk about racism. So not a big surprise. This is a thing that is pretty prevalent in hockey and hockey culture. 
Um, but reared its ugly head yet again during these playoffs with uh, the Ethan Bear incident where Ethan Bear made a, he, he turned the puck over and it ended up being a Jets winning goal for the, was it for the whole series? The- no, it was, a, it was for the, it was game four. He was on the ice when they tied it up. Like they were up there one and then he passed it right up the middle and then the Jets scored. And then he was, that was the triple overtime game. Okay. Yeah. So then, then he sat on the bench until like the third overtime pretty much. Yeah. So obviously uh, not, not the greatest play, but uh, maybe not the best coaching either on Tippett's end to not give him a chance to redeem himself, especially when you're a triple overtime. And that was the mm-hmm. game they ended up riding Darnell Nurse for like 50 or 60 minutes or something. Um, 60 I think he had 60 <laughs> minutes of ice time, which is nuts. But, uh, what was much more despicable was what came after, which was from a bunch of Oilers fans just uh, <laughs> blowing up his social media with racist threats and racist comments. Um, he was super classy with the way that he handled it. Did you see the video that he released afterwards addressing the situation, Wyatt? Yeah, that was a, that was a, like, I became a fan of Ethan Bear after that. Like, that's yeah. a pretty, and like, I think his, I like the jersey that he had too, that had his uh, uh, name in, it in I think it's Cree. Yeah. I think. So that was super cool. And like, it's nice to see like Connor McDavid come out and like support him. And, and like, that's captain material. It's like, if you're not a fan of him, like, then don't be a fan of the Oilers. Like, that's really cool that he did that. Yeah. So one, yeah, a good thing that came from this whole ugly situation was we did get to see a decent number of people rally around him to say, this is, this doesn't speak for the entire hockey community. Uh, a lot of people, um, I think like greeted him or met him outside of the Edmonton arena in the days that followed and cheered him on. So mm-hmm. good to see that come out of that ugly situation. But like days later, maybe just like around that same time, Nazem Kadri gets suspended for the third time in the playoffs. So it's not a surprise, but what was kind of disappointing and shocking to see was the, the racism that was mounted against him uh, following his suspension. And uh, yeah, it's just, I, I didn't hear as much about this one, like the details of it as I did the Ethan bear situation. I think just because I live in much closer proximity to Edmonton, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just super disappointing. And all of this at the same time as the NHL has like cut ties with the hockey diversity Alliance and seems to have like kind of moved on and given up on any of their, um, any, any attempts to like extend an olive branch to people who are not just like white, um, from like last year when they had some players take a knee and some messages, even though it wasn't like the entire message being black lives matter. Um, yeah, it seems like the NHL just did it to get the PR out there in August last year and don't care anymore is what it feels like sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know if uh, you have anything else you want to tack on about that there, Wyatt, but uh, that's my yeah. first grievance. Like, I remember, like, Matt Dumba and, like, him coming up there and, like, giving a speech and, like, you know, taking taking a knee, like, in the bubble and, like, like yeah, I think it's just, like, it just, do it, it just went through its course and then, like, they're, like, okay, well... Check. now we're, we're not going to do that ever again <laughs> yeah it. like to like to not have like to not have that come up again and like i guess the nhl cutting off the hockey diversity alliance like kind of shows where the nhl is really at with this and like how they really feel about it yeah so at the end of the day it really it really sucks and that's something that like 
Oh, it's is it uh, Black History Month? All right, cool. Let's uh, let's let's focus on that for all of February, and then just like kind of ignore it the rest of the time, and not and not. I don't know if the NHL like came out against all the posts about Ethan Bear. I don't know if they had a statement about him or about Kadri. I think they just remained silent on that. Um, it should be wild because even Justin Trudeau decided to get in on the <laughs> the Ethan yeah. Bear. Yeah, and like the statements that the NHL has are just so like stupid they're so like generic and they don't explicitly say the word racism or they 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 talk about diversity like it's it's carefully worded like their commissioner is a lawyer or something i don't know and they they come out here and they don't unequivocally like back their players that play for them and make them money so it's so frustrating to to like see that and there's a reason why it's like the whitest league in like all of four major sports right mm-hmm. and that's also why it's the least progressive league that we that out of the four major sports which is including baseball which is insane <laughs> but like it's it's fr- it's frustrating and and like i think you need to like i think the players mo- union needs to like push that a little bit more in my opinion for sure so uh do you have a, a grievance that you would like to <laughs> let's let's talk about officiating and and the NHL rule book and how it just gets ignored in the in the playoffs. Like I guess cross checking is an is an actual hockey play that you can that you can actually do in a game, which is kind of cool and won't get called. Yeah, so there's you, there's no difference between the cross checks that don't get called in the playoffs and the ones that randomly do. Yeah, and and like as soon and like I'm I'm at fault for this too because like um, when Winnipeg played Edmonton uh, in overtime, it was like, well, I guess there's no penalties being called anymore unless like they're they're blatantly obvious, like a trip, or sometimes trips don't even get called. But like puck over glass is the only thing that gets called in overtime. Don't because, say like, puck over glass to me, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't want to be that you don't want to be that ref that like gives somebody a five on three in overtime because your team is undisciplined. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Call the rule book, call like the, there or come out and say, this is not, this is what we're not going to call in the playoffs. But like game management is, is so dumb. And like, I kind of want them just to call everything at the start of the year and just keep that consistent and be like, this is, this is how we're going to call it. And then players adjust. Yeah. And like I think it's more of a of a uh, motivation or more of like a momentum builder. If you can kill off a five on four in overtime, that's huge, and I think that's a that's a big swing. Uh, but like to ignore these and to like try and like just play prison rules and just try to like you know try not to like game manage overtime. It's stupid and it's dumb. Yeah, and another thing that it does is it dilutes the the quality of the product that you're putting out there because you're getting fewer power plays. There's going to be more grabbing and holding and just like impeding of star players from being able to do what they normally do during the regular season. Um, just the the fact is they're ugly, the, the only goals, not the only goals, but the majority of goals that get scored during the playoffs are going to be ugly, um, weird bounce goals. And it's not going to be a fun game. Well, it wasn't a fun game to watch. I was bored of the playoffs as soon as my teams were eliminated because the hockey is not good. 
like their players, uh, maybe I should change that. Like the players are competing really hard. They're giving it their all. They're throwing checks harder than they ever had, which is nice to see. But you're not going to see very many highlight real goals in the playoffs. Like No. Like, and even, like, remember, well, I think Montreal was playing Vegas. And, like, the, the Vegas player, like, punched the Montreal guy in the face in front of the ref. And nothing was called. And they just waited until, like, the period was over. Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, what are you – it's literally in front of you. That's the definition of roughing. Like, that's not a hockey play. Yeah, and, was- I, and, I, and I hate the argument that the refs are like, I don't want to decide the outcome of the game by calling a penalty because you are deciding the outcome of the game by not calling a penalty when there's like a clear scoring chance or when a player has been victimized. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same thing. If you're yeah. like, your job is to like follow the rule book. And if someone breaks the rules, then you call them on that. And shorthanded goals still, still happen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they all scored more shorthanded goals than the Winnipeg power play did when they played them. So it just makes the game more interesting when you actually call it by the rules and it just makes it more fun to watch. But instead they would rather just have two, one, one, nothing games constantly in the playoffs for whatever reason with like high numbers. of. They, this team has four penalty, four power plays. Okay. This team has one. So I guess we have to even it up or also. There's that too. Yeah. Like that is so dumb. Like, Maybe a team is just very undisciplined. And Winnipeg was that in the past. Like, they used to t- lead the league in most penalties taken. Yeah. And that's a problem. <laughs> maybe a team is faster and more skilled, and therefore they are going to get dragged or tripped more and should have more power plays. Yeah. Exactly. So it's frustrating. I hope that – I don't think it's going to change, but I really hope it does. For sure. So um, my next grievance that I would like to air – has to do with the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault situation. Um, So this is a situation that has been handled by the NHL in a very lawyery way, as you would expect from a league run by a lawyer as their commissioner. Um, And so this is, there are a few things to unpack here. First of all, the fact that it happened in 2010 and we're not really hearing about this until now, it's 11 years. Um, how is the NHL and the people involved, how have they kept this quiet for that long? And why has this not come to the forefront sooner? So that's a frustrating element to it. The fact that there even still are people employed by the Blackhawks organization that were responsible for just getting this information out there and then just bit their tongues. This is like, it's not quite Jerry Sandusky level, but it's like getting there. And, uh, then you've got on the other side, the Ron McLean situation where he was interviewing Gary Bettman as he does during the playoffs. Normally these can be a bit contentious, these interviews, but he's kind of softened up in the last while. Um, yeah. He just decided to ignore this question completely. He didn't even ask Gary Bettman anything about the sexual assault situation. Instead decides to go on a folksy tangent about some guy in this rink that he built or something like that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, like, this is a really dark story that impacted people very severely. Um, And you've got people like Stan Bowman who are still running that team who didn't do anything with that information. Um, Yeah. Why, how do you feel about this situation? Yeah. It's like, it's, I think it still impacts them as well. Like you have, I think there's two former players, right. That have, that have accused. So um, I don't know if they're still playing, but like, um, the issue, the issue with that, I think, if you ask Gary Bettman, 
And I think he was asked this in a State of the Union speech or like when he took questions as well. I think he was asked this like with the major media networks that uh, or other like the athletic, I think asked him about it. And I think he's like, I can't comment on an ongoing investigation. And that's pretty much the, that's where it stops, right? So, but on a national broadcast, and with a national broadcaster, I think that's what you're going to have. You should have to ask, ask that question. I don't think, I think Sportsnet really depends on the NHL and like they have that deal with an NHL where they get, they have like exclusive rights. So I think if like Ron McLean was employed by TSN or like CBC or by another broadcaster, I think that question would have come out, but I don't think you bite the hand that feeds you, which is like, Sad, sad state of what we live in the world, but I think that's why the producers didn't really want McLean to push him on that because I think Batman would have said, "Oh, we're not going to talk about that right now because it's an ongoing investigation." Maybe, and if that's the case, then it sucks that McLean's having to fall on his sword right now because he's just saying, "I didn't think it was a question worth asking because we were going to get an iteration of the the same answer that Batman has given previously in every other press conference." So he decided but, not to ask it. But it's something like people who don't watch the NHL probably wa- are maybe watching that national broadcast, right? Like if you're not yeah. going to get, you're not going to get that answer. That's fine. The but goal at least make people aware of the story who wouldn't have been aware yeah. otherwise. Like for the goal is not to get an answer. The goal is to like have them address it on live TV. And honestly, Gary Bettman is the like most <laughs> uncomfortable person to interview even if he didn't give an answer, his body language and his facial expressions would have spoken volumes about how the NHL feels. And, and I wouldn't have been surprised if Ron just pushed him a little if something would have come out. Because Gary Bettman, despite being a lawyer, he gives a lot away in the way that he talks and the way that he communicates. Yeah. Um, he so gets flustered. I, he gets flustered very easily. He gets flummoxed <laughs> for sure. So I think that it was a question worth asking. And if it's truly just Ron McLean making a personal judgment call, then it's further evidence that Ron McLean's slipping. But if it's uh, Sportsnet with their ties to, to the NHL, then I'm sorry, Ron McLean, for what I just said. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, I think, I think he, I do think he's slipping. Like, I think like he's, he's not the hard hitting journalist guy. Like he's not, that's not him. He's the, he's the hometown hockey, like, look at this feel-good story. And he even brought that up during the interview, another good feel-good story. Like, oh, look at this guy, Joe from Ontario, built it. Like, he used to play hockey with this guy and this NHL thing. And, like, you just tune it out because it's just a bunch of old white guys talking about the glory days, right? So yeah. put, like, David Amber in there. I love David Amber. And I think he's, like, better than Ron McQuaid would and probably might ask that question, right? And, like, or have someone younger that's, like, like you're just always going to associate Ron with old men. So like maybe you need a, to change that a little bit as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and maybe I'll just like go off on a slight tangent off of that as well and just say that overall um, my feelings towards Ron and just the in general, the sports net coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs have not been positive. Um, just this, this <laughs> last run. Ron, we all know the homophobic remark that he made that uh, he backtracked and he did apologize. He, made, he, he did the right steps afterwards, but it's hard to not, it, it's really hard to buy his excuse on that one. When he, we, I don't know if I want to go too far into the details of that incident, but it's pretty far in the past now, but uh, just basically. Out of, 
out of everyone who heard that joke live on air, the one person I made the uncomfortable face was Jennifer Bodrell, which was amazing. And I was so happy that she's like, this is not cool. Like, yeah. That's really uncomfortable. And he's sitting six feet away from her. And like you have BXO laughing, you have, I guess Kelly Rudy was there, maybe he, he was laughing. But like, yeah, having Jen, the only girl on the, on the panel being like, this is not cool. And like, that was amazing. So yeah. it just makes me want to like, embrace Jen Botterell even more because she should be seen more on that, on that panel. Yeah. I don't know if she got, she, she might've gotten hired and plucked over to ESPN, but. Uh, was she? I'm not sure. I feel like I read something about that, but in any case, um, yeah, you, you can't test positive for being drunk. Like that doesn't, <laughs> I, I don't know, just the way that the phrasing of it or whatever, it was just like, so. I think, strange. I think he was talking about him. He said he, he was talking about himself. And like when he gets drunk, he takes his shirt off because there's like a photo on of him wasted at a bar in like Peterborough where yeah. he's like having his shirt off. So he said it was like a self-referential joke on that. I'm sure. But the idea that you phrase <laughs> yeah. it as uh, you were testing positive for something there. <laughs> the optics of the word of the phrase testing positive is not a great thing to to say, especially like, I don't think for, anyone's ever like had their sixth beer and been like, man, I'm testing positive right now. But should that be a thing? Maybe. <laughs> is, he, is he actually a culture? I do not want, no, I, I don't want that to enter the vernacular. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's, uh, I think that opens the door to some pretty dicey <laughs> situations. So, But again, I think just getting new blood in there, like get more Kyle Bukowskis or more like more young, young reporters in there. And yeah, I think that's just a better, a better way to kind of, to have a more, um, a better broadcast, honestly. For sure. Um, yeah. And a, a couple more things like I, I noticed him cut off Cassie Campbell Pascal a few times, especially whenever there was like her and Bieksa both coming in at the same time on a point. She was always made to be deferential to Bieksa for whatever reason, whenever I was watching. I don't know if maybe that was just me reading too much into it, but uh, there's that. There's the fact that Bieksa, who I liked when he started out, like he's got a, an interesting personality. By the end of it, I was starting to find him difficult to listen to. He's just, his head has gotten too fucking big. He's mm -hmm. just like, he's just overconfident at this point and kind of annoying and thinks that he can do no wrong already less than a year into his like commentator tenure or anal analysis, analysis tenure. And uh, I guess, like, lastly, I would say, well, I guess there's a couple things, but there's been shitty commercials throughout this entire playoffs that have really annoyed me, constantly airing on Sportsnet. I'm going hard on these grievances, sorry, buddy. But, uh, do you, do um, you mean Kess's house? Uh, Kess's house? Kess's house has been annoying, but that's not nearly the, the one that's pissed me off the most. So, like, there's the Tim Hortons commercial, which has been brutal, and I'm glad they've replaced it, but they replaced it with another annoying Tim Hortons commercial, which is, like, not quite uh, Cars for Kids level of, like, kids singing on a commercial pissing me off. But have you seen that, like, Kids Camp one where they're, like, rap kids rapping or something? Oh, I mute it. Yeah, every time. Oh, okay, yeah. that's smart. That's smart. <laughs> but that one's brutal. Um, but the one before that was the one with the, like, the Tim Hortons hockey stick collection thing, and the guy's, like, oh, Shea Weber, first ballot Hall of Famer. And oh, then, like... Oh, uh, man. 
Austin Matthews, number one. <laughs> and, and, and the woman who comes in and doesn't even ask for a McDavid stick. She asks for like a dry side one. And you're like, <laughs> the, the best in the league. I'm like, who's on your team? <laughs> like, there's so many weird takes in that commercial. Just like from, yeah, the, the, the like trying to push Austin Matthews stick on everyone else. Like, of course, make people hate Leafs fans even more. Thank you, Tim Hortons. And then, like, yeah, just the weird Shea Weber first ballot Hall of Famer for a guy who's never won a Norris or a Cup at this point. Um, or, like, was there a Jets player mentioned or a Flames no, player no. or a Canucks player? No, but or... there was a Boston Bruins player mentioned. <laughs> yeah, like, what? <laughs> so, like, if you're Tim Hortons, like, why aren't you, like, embracing every, play, every Canadian team? I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. Stupid Tim Hortons. They always have really bad ads. And then the one that takes the cake for me is a re- more recent one. It's the skip the dishes ad where there's this guy who's just the epitome of like white hetero slovenly disappointing male uh, who's eating a ton of wings and just wiping it all over the like couch cushions and like the cat. And there's like his, his much more attractive wife is like, like doting after him basically saying like oh you need something to clean that with and she's like oh whose cat is that and he's like Like, he's just like guttural noises out and um like home improvement like yeah Yeah, like these flush a toilet next to him as well while he's at it but like then it shows him like in the stupid like spinning camera with pants that are also like bibs or something like that and he's just like so proud of himself I'm just like, fuck you, Skip the Dishes. <laughs> like, I I want nothing to do with Skip the Dishes now. I don't care how many promo codes they give me. I, I mean, I'm in a city where I don't have any of those services. I don't have DoorDash or Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats. But if I when I go to Winnipeg for a week in August, fuck you, well, Skip the Dishes. Well, it's, it actively hurts local businesses as well, which is, like, also funny to think about. But, yeah. yeah. So another reason for me never to touch Skip the Dishes or download it on my phone um, all right, that's the end of that diatribe. Wyatt, do you have any any other grievances? Um, I guess a big grievance I have. Uh, I don't know. I, I okay. A big grievance I I have right now is um, I hope they don't have the North Division again next year. I know at the start of the year I was real excited for it, but now I'm just like I can't stand the North Division anymore, and I and I. Don't think it's necessarily fair that a lot of good teams that play really well didn't get to go further. And the Habs, who played a very boring style, and for for all credit's sake, Winnipeg would have been the would have been the exact same style of play. Um, would have probably got to the semifinals, which I don't think is like knocking out Colorado like early. I think is like a bad idea because they're exciting to watch and they like like having them against Vegas was like an, an exciting playoff series, like Florida versus Tampa, super exciting playoff series. And yeah, so I, 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 I hear would, you. sorry, I hear I you, would, but this is something that has happened quite a bit in the NHL since the dawn yeah. of me watching. Like I think even back to like 1994, when I first became a fan, Detroit Red Wings as a number one seed, I think losing to the San Jose Sharks as like an eight seed. It's just what but, happens but I, in the NHL but I want that more than like geographical locations. Okay. So, so like, give me, give me the like LA Kings getting the eighth seed and winning the cup. Sick. That's awesome. Because it's like, like a, like they're not very good, but then they like came on at the right time. But like having like Montreal play 
like Toronto and then play Winnipeg and like these teams, like they wouldn't necessarily play each other regardless, but like if Montreal, like I would like a little bit more, I just want to go back to the one versus eight. Just give me that please. Cause that's yeah. amazing. And like, and it doesn't, and I know the NHL is like, Oh, we need to have more like rivalries. Like you create rivalries in the playoffs, regardless of geographical location. Like it, like it just doesn't matter about that. So I think you've already got your rivalries in the regular season by making divisional teams play so many friggin' times. Exactly. So there's no need to do that. So I, I hope, I really hope. I don't know if it's going to change, but I want them to go back to like one versus eight. That should be so really super cool. Yeah, and I think this is also an egregious year with the Habs making it to the finals while being the 18th place team in the regular season <laughs> by points. Not to mention that people already called the North Division soft, so they're 18th even in a soft division. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, I I hear what you're saying. It was kind of it. It's kind of rough to see even a team like the New York Rangers not make the playoffs when they're probably a better team than the Habs, at least regular season wise. They definitely were. Cause I would most people would argue they were in a tougher division and they had more points than the Habs. But uh, yeah, I. I don't know. I enjoyed the North division. I'd be okay with it continuing, but um, I would want there still to be play outside of that division. Like I don't want to go to another season of only playing teams within your division. That was tough. Cause I, I really didn't get to see like how good the Colorado av- avalanche were this year. And I'd like to, I don't know, see how my team matches up with other teams outside of those like six teams they play. It would just be uh I I just missed the diversity, I should say. Um, Yeah, and like playing a team nine times (laughs) uh, is a lot. And like it's exciting in the first half and then it just gets like kind of boring. And then like at the end of the day, the North Division was set of like, it it was just like kind of placeholding who's going to go where. Like those playoff teams aren't going to, are going to be playoff teams. And so like the games necessarily didn't really matter that much. Yeah. Since Vancouver and Calgary were playing during the first round anyways (laughs) if ever there was a season to experiment with um teams choosing like the first seed gets to choose who they play of the other three teams that qualified i think this would be the year or that this should have been the year so like toronto could have been like hmm, we didn't really match up that well against montreal in the regular season maybe we will choose winnipeg instead or edmonton because we demolished edmonton i think this was an interesting year to to try out that format but uh it's all, it's all gone now, so it doesn't matter. Um, so another grievance of mine, because I have <laughs> so many of these. Um, so this one I don't need to talk about too much, but the NHL is now sounding like they're not going to compete in the Olympics in 2022. This is frustrating. It's not entirely surprising given the, the pandemic world that we live in, even though things are opening up hugely um there's also some growing contention between the western world and china right now so the fact that the olympics are in beijing that is probably factoring into it even though supposedly the nhl really wants the chinese market it seems like right now there's more of an ideological war at stake than there is trying to make chinese uh, trying to make money off of uh chinese uh just uh interests so so it's uh I think what's frustrating though is that they made this a negotiating point in the last CBA with the players and the players gave things away with the understanding that they'd be able to go to the Olympics. And now the NHL is just like, Oh, we're not going. It's really just makes me hate the league more. 
yeah, it's it's the worst. And like, uh, I was there when the when amateur players played uh, in Seoul, <laughs> or sorry, in uh, Pyeongchang. Yeah, Pyeongchang, and like, it was. It's weird because like it was um, like it's just an unfair advantage, really, because like a lot of our best players, you want the best players to be at the Olympics. They're the best in the sport. They're the best in the game. You don't want like your your college players playing and like that's a cool it's cool that it's amateur but like you need to then make it like amateur across the board then like these you can't have like the top khl players going for a team quote-unquote russia or whatever that was yeah like i think we saw i think pavel datsuk was on that team yeah like datsuk would have been there like kovalchuk might have been there he was Um, there too yeah and like and that's why we're all rooting for Germany because, like, all those players were, like, from the German league. From the Deutsche Elite League. Yeah. And, like, Dominic Cahoon was a first, like, first-line center. And and what is he on Edmonton? Like, third line? Yeah, if that. If that. So, so I, I think as soon – I know it has to deal with, like, insurance and, like, what if – like, remember Tavares got injured – uh, and then the Isles were super pissed that like he was injured in the Olympics or whatever it was. And like, he couldn't get back for the whole year, but like, if you're going to re- go and represent your country, that's like kind of the, that's what you're going to have to like deal with. Right. So like, I hope that they can go like it's exciting hockey and it's the most watched sport in the Olympics for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like that's why they have it on the last day of the Olympics. That's why the fi- the last gold medal given out, is uh the hockey games right so but i i don't trust the nhl and i never will because they're a corporate entity entity that is the worst (laughs) for sure um do you have any other grievances you wanted to air um well like i don't know paul maurice coming back is not (laughs) yeah let's do our let's do our homer grievances so you can talk about jets i'll talk about leafs Oh man, but like I don't know. It's overall, it the le- it's an it's an asterisk le- season. So whatever, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's gonna go back. Asterisk season day. team that won was nineteen million over the cap. None of it matters. Yeah. Like have fun, Tampa winning two cups when the world was at the brink of collapse. Have fun with that. Everything doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and of course, like a team from Florida is the one that wins both. Free and COVID cups. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I hope it goes back to no- some sort of normalcy next year. I really hope so. Um, I hope, I hope players are vaccinated. Like I've heard nothing from the NHL about how many play- of their players are vaccinated. And I think I've heard. I feel like they from- must be pretty vaccinated if Robin Leonard is vaccinated. Cause he's a pretty like right wing guy. If he is vaccinated, yeah. we heard about him saying that he was then. Yeah. I feel but like they've he, got to have at least like 80% vaccination. I think the NHL, or sorry, the NFL has come out saying that like 70% of their players are first dose vaccinated. I think the NBA has come out saying that percentage of their players are, are majority of vaccinated. Same with MLB, I think right now. Uh, but like, I've heard nothing from the NHL about like, and pushing the narrative that like you, sh- you should get vaccinated. There's no narrative push there. Oh, yeah, so, that was like, the other that was the other advertising that we missed talking about on Sportsnet. <laughs> yeah. um, the fact that we were both watching predominantly Alberton feeds 
Sportsnet West, probably. Um, yeah. How many commercials that aired that were like, get your vaccine. It's not scary. These are the facts. <laughs> and like, just like, like, oh my God, Alberta. Just like. But don't worry. They're, they're all open. They're going to be, they're open for the stampede. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking Alberta. I, I was teaching, I was teaching a course this year, Socials 20-2, talking about, uh, part of it was talking about Alberta becoming its own country. And I had to explain that to my students, why they want to become their own country. Nice. Uh, yeah. Upper I, don't, I don't need to get any further into that right now. I don't need to disparage all my, like, uh, all, all the Putra family, <laughs> my, my friends who are from Alberta, but uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, the yeah. So we got the Jets there. I wanted to just talk about the Leafs briefly. Their reaction to their first round exit made me pissed off. Um, <laughs> the fact that they are not willing to trade any of their big four players and just run it back. And I like I get the argument. I see that Tampa is doing well without having traded a lot of their core, and they had some tough years, but they never. It's not the same futility that the Leafs have had. Tampa made the finals in 2015 with like somewhat similar core. Um, if they had lost in the first round five times in a row, I think that you have to trade with someone like Stamkos or Point or Kucherov at that point. Um, also, they have they have uh, no state tax, yeah. so they can. So sign it's a very people. different situation. Yeah, they can they- sign a Stamkos, Stephen Stamkos, for 8.5 million a year, and he's still bringing home more after yeah. tax than John Tavares is with his 11 million a year. Yeah. So it's and a different then, situation. <laughs> Did you hear that Taylor Hall is linked to the Maple Leafs as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like, that'll, Bring in more. I'm, I'm glad we don't have Granger on this one. Cause I'm just <laughs> thinking about how pissed he must be right now at the idea of losing Zach Hyman for Taylor Hall. <laughs> his, Cause that's what they need. They need more of a team sport. of entirely Zach Hyman's is just, <laughs> turning into a team with no Zach Hyman's. You need, you need more scoring. That's the biggest problem that the Leafs had in the playoffs. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I don't know if it's a terrible idea, but like they don't have the cap space necessarily to make a run at him. It doesn't really make sense. And, I no. and if it comes down to him or Zach Hyman, I feel like I'd probably rather have Zach Hyman. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough call though. Taylor Hall, uh, like he, he, He's fast and he's good at forechecking. Um, and Zach Hyman is slow and good at forechecking. But mm-hmm. like Taylor Hall could be a good complimentary piece. But anyway, I'm aside from that, I'm still just pissed they're not training, trading Mitch Marner or entertaining it. <laughs> um, they extended Wayne Simmons. I don't feel like Wayne Simmons did much this year for the Leafs. I don't feel like he needed to be extended, let alone a two-year deal. Which, was, he, was he prominent in the playoffs? No. Yeah, so why? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, you have to think about, can this team win a playoff series? That's, that's the question he has to, like, do this is to ask himself. And I, and I actually think they overpaid on Travis Termit, which is crazy. Yeah. Because he's only making $1.5 million a year. And I get that maybe it's just to expose him so they can protect Justin Hall. Yeah. But, but if I'm Seattle, I'm probably taking Kerfoot over Dermot. Um, oh, yeah because Kerfoot had a decent playoffs and is a more versatile player and Dermot is like a 13 minute a night <laughs> 10 point a season defenseman like he's easily replaceable you can pull yeah. up a guy from the AHL who does the same thing so I think they overpaid paid Dermot um I am happy they resigned Jason Spezza that's good um Harden sold that team Jason yeah. Spezza but beyond that, I'm disappointed with what they've done. 
And uh, I think that'll end my grievances, the airing <laughs> of grievances for now. I have a couple more that'll make their way over to when we talk about the awards, but uh, <laughs> I think I've probably taken enough time up now with that. So uh, after all that, after how much we've dumped on the Habs, I think it's fair that we do give them some props, Wyatt. Um, even if we don't think they were necessarily the best team in the team that probably should have made it to the finals, they made it to the finals and they did so by not only beating some like weaker North division opponents, but they beat Vegas in six games. So I think we have to give it to them for that. Um, Carey Price had an unreal playoffs. Nick Suzuki showed that he can be a first line center. I think, I think we're ready for that. The Suzuki Caulfield show is, uh, is going to be exciting moving forward. Um, how do you feel about this team next year though? <laughs> uh, I think that they caught a really big high and like they've been they were playing they played really well like remember Montreal at the start of the year they were wet they were a wagon they were so good and they were like they were were a quote-unquote juggernaut were they were they first in the division for a little bit I think they might have yeah and then they came back down to earth for the majority of the season and then the playoffs hit and then gate was a game five against the Leafs that's when it like clicked right and then the same same kind of wave for 20 games they rode that and and um i think that are a very streaky team and i think that they played better than that they than that than they were a lot of the i think a lot of the success is attributed to carry price and carry price if carry price is carry price that team is good if that carry price is injured or not very good or regular also, season carry price of the last six years, then he's not. They're not going to be good. They don't. They there's a reason they signed Jake Allen as his backup. He's like a competent backup and who could take over if Price is struggling, right? So if they're competent in Price, they wouldn't have signed Jake Allen. It's like I don't know how much money they have behind their goalies, but it's a lot of money. It was 15 million this past season. I think that Jake Allen's entering his new extension now, which brings it down to 13 million total or just over 13, but it's still a lot. Yeah. I don't know. So I think that they, I don't think they'll make the playoffs next year. Um, But maybe with Caulfield being playing a whole season, like that's another, that's a, that's a deadly shot. I think they could do well, but and like Petrie played out of his mind this year. Like, I can't believe Edmonton gave up, what, a second-round pick for him um, and or a third-round pick. And, like, but they relied heavily on their top four D-men. And one of those four D goes down, which the inevitable, inevitably will happen. Like, you can't trust Gustafson. You can't trust um, Kulak. Like, these are – those are, like, lower – those are, like, Jets defensemen. So <laughs> – like that's a top four Jets D right there. So I think that they won't have the stamina to make it uh, into the playoffs next year. Yeah. I sadly agree with you. I don't think they're making the playoffs next year, which is a harsh fall from grace for a team that's had the run like this, but it's not unprecedented. Dallas did that just this year and Dallas sure did have a lot of things going against them this year that made that happen with uh, the COVID run that went through the team. And then the, just the weird weather conditions in Texas taking up power for like a week or something. Um, Yeah. They had a a rough schedule down the stretch, but 
I think many people could have probably predicted that they were going to have a tough run going into the year regardless. Um, and the Habs, I don't think, are as good as Dallas was last year, to be honest. Yeah. Or I think they're a pretty similar team, if nothing else. I think they're a team that rode a hot goalie in the playoffs. And if, yeah, if Price goes back to like a 905 or even a 910 save percentage through the regular season, I don't think they make the playoffs next year in a, in a tough division because you look at the teams that should be ahead of them. You've got Tampa in that division that will make the playoffs. I think it's pretty easy to say. The Florida Panthers probably will make the playoffs. Um, the Maple Leafs, I'm less sold on them now than I was before, but like most people will pick them to make the playoffs. Um, then you've got the Boston Bruins probably going to make the playoffs. You even got you even have the Ottawa Senators who showed some real fight and and uh, just like I don't know a sign of things to come potentially that could leapfrog the Canadians this year, um, and especially if they have a goalie that plays better than like 880 save percentage <laughs> hockey. <laughs> like if they decide to ride Philip Gustafson and he goes like 915 or something. They were they were one of the better teams the last half of the year weren't they yeah and they're going to just add more pieces to it in the draft and uh they've got a lot of cap room to work with who knows maybe the five years of uh unparalleled success are finally here they have, um, they'll run tim strudel to the to the tim, playoffs yeah tim strudel tim apple strudel <laughs> is uh gonna just uh go off and have like a point per game seat no he's gonna be like the next leon dreisaitl <laughs> how do you how do you feel about dominic ducharme <laughs> I don't know if he's that great, but I think he'll be their coach next year. I think, I think Luke Richardson was a better coach than he was. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, saw I don't like the, his decisions in, per, in terms of personnel. Like why, why do you take Kotkaniemi out for Jake Evans? Yeah. In that situation. Um, I can understand maybe even taking someone out for Thomas Tatar in that situation, because you might want to just try and inject some scoring into the lineup. But for Jake Evans, who is just coming off like an insane injury and has been a fourth-line player at best through the regular season, and then you take out Yemi, who's supposedly like a cornerstone piece for your franchise moving forward, and who's had a really good playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, take out all before that. Or you bench, like, Caulfield, Romanov, and Romanov, and... Talking Yemi in the first game against yeah. the Leafs, like what are you doing? <laughs> Keeping them fresh because you know how tired nineteen and twenty year olds get when they play. <laughs> yeah, like did they? They, I think they benched. Are they healthy? Scratched? Stall? Didn't they? Pretty sure they did. I don't know if they ever did. Was Stall even on the? I didn't notice. Stall, Stall, at all. Stall was still playing in the last game when Talking Yemi was out. Or in really? teams four okay. and five, yeah, because they kept him on that line because they liked the, like he, Armia, and Perry had something good going in like, oh right, I think round three against Vegas, like yeah. they had a decent playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but you could even just make the argument that stalls like what thirty six, thirty seven, just bench him for a game for rest. Yeah, but keep the twenty year old in who's going to be the cornerstone of your franchise, not the thirty six, thirty seven year old rental. Didn't he score the winning goal over the Leafs and then like? Like, isn't that an overtime? <laughs> didn't, didn't he score that one? So, like, it's, it's not even like, what have you done for me lately? Like, he advanced the Canadians in their playoffs. Yeah. Then you bench him because of work ethic or whatever it is. Yeah, like it's- so, so moving forward with the Habs for next year, like, 
what if a guy like Kakanyemi is hurt by this playoff run by the fact that he like was showing promise but then just gets benched in the finals like that's got to hurt he isn't he's he's a good soldier he's not going to come out and say anything especially when he's as young as he is but I'm sure he's not happy about it and you're probably going to lose stall for nothing and so what are you gaining ultimately over that I just don't understand that decision but yeah moving forward I could see Kakanyemi not really taking the step that they hope he does I think Caulfield and Suzuki will be solid next year I think Romanov will step in and maybe play more minutes, more meaningful minutes. But I think Weber and Petrie at some point are going to just like fall apart. Like there's no way, like you said, Petrie is playing like Norris caliber hockey like he did this year. And ultimately the goaltending is probably below average just based on what we've seen the track record for regular season. And I don't know why. I don't know why that is that price is so much worse in the regular season. It just seems to be that way um so yeah i i'm picking them to miss the playoffs i wouldn't be surprised if they make it um because boston might also have a similar falling out they've got an old core that could slow down and i'm not that impressed by toronto as i'm sure (laughs) clear at this point but uh i don't think they i think they miss it by like two points i think they 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 are a bubble team i think they maybe get in but maybe not yeah ultimately they're the dallas stars Next yeah, year. yeah. So, uh, I guess projecting forward with Tampa, do you think they can threepeat next year? I, I want. I'm pretty sure they're not going to because I want. I want parity, and <laughs> I want. I don't want this. I don't want the stupid Pittsburgh Penguins to come up again because, like the, I think they're the last team that two-peated, right? It was Pittsburgh. Yeah. So they're gonna lose. I think this year they're gonna lose a lot of people. So I think they're they're. Like Johnson, I think is gone, uh, and I think everyone knows that. Um, Johnson, Kalorn, probably. Yeah. Or or Gord, one of those two. Yeah, Savard, I think is gone. Yeah, Savard is gone for sure. So I think this is like a let's do it, do it one more year, and then we'll see what we can. Like yeah. I don't really know. What... Coleman and Goodrow might even be. Yeah, that whole line could be gone <laughs> essentially. So and they can't they can't afford them now that they're not making like. 1.2 million or something like that yeah. to be making like 4 million plus next year. I don't know what their AHL like call-ups would be. I know like Ross Colton is a young guy, but I don't know who else. They have they Alex could... Barboulet, who is uh, definitely ready to be featured in any role on that team. Um, yeah. I don't know as much beyond that though. They'll still have so, like a I think that, I think they challenge. I think they probably get knocked out in the quarters and the semis. Um, I don't think they make the finals next year. Yeah, unless they can somehow just like, you no, know, like I was talking about this with a friend. I'm like, unless they put like Victor Hedman on long term IR, but it's going to be an 82 game season next year. Yeah, it's going to be a <laughs> you can't really stash a guy away Kucherov style for the whole year next year. You can't have a yeah for like a hip problem. You can't take off the entire 82 game season for a hip issue, right? Like yeah. you usually miss for that yeah so i i'd have to agree with you i think the team is going to have to lose some key pieces and it'll it'll replace some of them but it'll struggle they'll struggle ultimately to um fill in the the spots that they need to they'll still be really good though because they still have players on really good deals like Braden point still making like what like six point something million when he's yeah. like probably an 11 or 12 million dollar player easily um, 
Kucherov is making 9.5 million, which is a decent amount, but he's still making 1.4 million less than Mitch Marner. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. What about Stammer? Let's see. Stammer is 8.5. So okay. that that's probably fair at this point in his career, to be honest. Yeah. Like, he's probably an $8.5 million player. He might even be less than that next year. But do they have do they have a ten million dollar player or no? No, I don't think so. Because I think Vasi is like nine point five as well. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I don't. I think that's a crazy stat that like no team has won with a with a player making ten million dollars or more, which is interesting. So does that mean that Kane and Taves signed their contracts after, after they won the cups? Yeah, I think it's after. Oh, that's weird. I think that's yeah. I think I think yeah. I don't think a team has won the Stanley Cup with a $10 million player. I think Montreal could have done it with price. Yeah. But, but that, but that didn't happen. Right. So super interesting stat going forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I don't think I would bet on them to three Pete. I think that they're capable of it, but they're just too many good teams that uh, yeah. are due at this point. And so. I think the restructuring of the divisions will be, It'll make it harder for Tampa, I think, as well. Yeah. Teams like uh, – well, teams that have been on the rise for a while, like Colorado and Vegas, Carolina. Yeah. Um, who knows what the Rangers are going to look like next year, but I don't know if I should be putting them in the same breath as those teams. But uh, And, like, Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Rasmus Dahlin is ready to just, like, take off, man. But, you hear uh, or is going to go back to college when he gets drafted by the Sabres. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's good, I'm just it's, a, go. it's a good decision on his part. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I'm gonna wait here and see how bad this gets. <laughs> so uh, maybe we can make a transition into talking about the awards. Um, this has been a long, a long podcast, Wyatt. But if you're still game for it, yeah. Um, this a lot has happened since I talked last <laughs> to you guys. Um, so we had awards handed out through the playoffs and um, we're just going to go through them quickly and say whether we think the right person won. So first of all, Hart, Connor McDavid, unanimous. Yeah. I think that's, that's really, that's super cool that he was unanimous for that. Like that, like imagine how bad Edmonton was if he wasn't on that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, it would, it would be brutal. <laughs> like say what you will about dry sidle, but like, he's the engine that makes that team go forward for sure. So uh, next one to talk about that was voted on was uh, the Vesna trophy. So this one goes to Mark Andre Fleury. There was a lot of uh, contention about or contentious feelings about this one with uh, people saying Vasilevsky was robbed. What do you think? Uh, I think Hellebuck should have been nominated, but whatever. (laughs) Um, I would say I like, I like Fleury. I think Fleury, had a really good year and even though he split duties like 1a 1b i think that's still fine and um he's never won a vesna before so like give it to him i think yeah i'm i'm actually okay with it he had slightly better stats than vasilevsky on the year because vasilevsky faded a bit down the stretch and you could argue that that was because they basically had the playoff seed locked up so they didn't they're playing meaningless hockey yeah so i can see an argument for um potentially Vasilevsky getting it over Flurry in that regard. Cause I think the, the Vegas Golden Knights were still probably pushing for first in their division. Yeah. Tampa didn't really seem to care about seeding. <laughs> um, they're just like, we're getting Kucherov back. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like Flurry had an unreal year and you said he was one, a one B, but he actually played like 
I think I want to say like 67, 70% of the team's games, something like that. So he was playing a starter's workload for sure. Because Laner was injured, right? Laner was injured for a while and Flurry was just having to carry the team and he was yeah. unreal. Um, Vasilevsky, don't get me wrong, he had a great year and he started out just absolutely on fire. He started the year like 935, 940 save percentage and just winning mm-hmm. everything. Um, but he was... I, I would have been okay with him winning too, but I, I think it was about basically a toss up and I'm happy mm-hmm. to give it to Fleury for just basically the career that he's had. And yeah, the fact that he's never even been a nominee, he's never been a top three as a finalist. Insane. Yeah. When he's like the third winning a goalie of all time or something like that, it's just like, like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's fourth. I don't remember, but he's, he's getting up there. It just locks in his hall of fame status, which is cool as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so next we can talk about the Norris trophy. So Adam Fox wins this one. This was another one that was uh, an interesting vote. What did you think on this, Wyatt? Love it. Give it to Adam Fox. I love how he used to be a flame <laughs> and then refused to play with the flames. <laughs> and so and goes to Carolina, <laughs> then goes to New York. But yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, who else was dominated? So it was Hedman and McCarr. And like McCarr was I think McCarr was second. McCarr was injured for majority of the year. I think Fox. Not majority. He well, he missed twelve games. Yeah, majority. So, um, <laughs> so I think the reason you're not a math teacher. What? <laughs> it's a shortened season, right? It was like what fourteen games. So, um, yeah, I I I like Adam Fox because he he's not he's not as prominent as like those other two guys, right? And so I think a lot of people kind of, he was really underrated this year and it's good to see him getting recognition for like how good he was. If you don't watch Rangers games, you don't realize how good he is as a player. Yeah, I I agree. I'm happy with Fox getting it. If anything, it just makes me pissed off because I traded him in my keeper league at the beginning of the season (laughs) for Dougie Hamilton. Oh, that Um, museum. Nice. Yeah. I I was just like, I'm a teacher. I like learning. Dougie Hamilton likes learning. (laughs) This is a match made in heaven. But uh, no, it uh, turned out not to be, and I regretted it immediately, but oh well. It has to be a keeper league too, of course. Um, but anyway. Of the same season as last year, I think he might fall off a cliff a little bit. I wouldn't say fall off a cliff, but I think it's hard, for, it's hard to project him to repeat what he did this year. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Who knows? The Rangers could bolster their lineup even further and add Jack Eichel or something like that. And then, like, remember, remember Jacob Slavin? Like, he was like a Norris candidate, and then this year he's so bad. He still so. won the Lady Bing, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like gives people stick taps, you know, yeah. hugs people at, like from opposing teams. It's like the nice, the nice guy award. He only had two penalty minutes this year, and they were for uh, puck over glass, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. That's, yeah. that's a hard award to win. Mm-hmm. So, next we'll talk about the Calder, Kaprizov. Yeah, I think that's deserved. Who's going to go to the KHL, which is going to be yeah. so <laughs> such a disappointment for Minnesotans. Win, win the Calder and then immediately get paid so much money to play in the KHL. <laughs> um, yeah, I was pulling for Robertson I, because I, have, I had him in my pool. Um, <laughs> and I was like, who's this Josh Robertson? I've only heard about Nick Robertson and how good he is from these – supposed Leaf fans, but like apparently Josh is better than Nick. So that's well, cool. you're, you're talking about our dear friend and my brother-in-law right now, Josh Robertson. It's actually Jason Robertson. But, uh, it's J-Rob. What can yeah, you do? Right? J-Rob. Yeah. yeah. 
But like, and, uh, yeah, I, like that's what I like about Robertson. He came out of nowhere for Dallas and was their best player. I mean, I personally thought there should have been more momentum or groundswell for Alex Nedeljkovic because I do happen to have him in my keeper league. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, Kaprizov all the way for sure. Um, yeah, I think if Kaprizov stops getting points, Robertson could make it more. But like, I think Robertson played less games than Kaprizov did. All right, so next we will have uh, grievance time for GM of the year. Lou Lamorello wins. <laughs> um, yeah, Wyatt, what do you think before I get into mine? Um, so, okay, let's, let's talk about Mark Bergevin. <laughs> yeah, so who are the other nominees? I'm trying to remember. Like, Bergevin was one. Do you Very remember the third? Florida? Oh, yeah. So it was uh, Bill Zito in Florida, I think. Well, yeah, Bill Zito from Florida, Bergevin, and fucking uh, Lamorello, which is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you couldn't pick three worse people to, to, like, have GM of the year. Like, I don't know. So, like, if I know it was announced after Montreal, you know, was the upset machine in the playoffs, but I think, like, I think if Bergevin, he would have gotten fired at the start of the playoffs if he lost to the Leafs. I think he probably would have gotten fired. Like, he fired uh, Julian, and the team wasn't looking very good. Like, after game five, whenever we talked, like, they looked out. They looked done. Like, they are going to lose. And he wears cool suits and loves older players. I don't know. Like, he... Like, I don't – like, GM of the year should, like, you make really good moves to make your team better. And I don't know if he did make his team better. Like, they played better. But, like, trading for Stahl, I don't know if that's a good deal. Getting Corey Perry, like, I guess so. But, like, I don't know. It seems I think he was just, I think he got nominated just because he was the most active GM of the year. <laughs> just trading people. <laughs> and they honestly came into the season with, like, over $20 million in cap space. So he had to be the most active GM. Um, so – yeah, I would have. I would have liked. Um, yeah, like Breezeball would have been a good, a good, a good one. Sakic as well. Like even uh, was it McCrimmon for like Vegas? Like I think that like having having those people, or even like Kevin Chevaldeoff trading Line for next year's MVP PLD. So that'll be uh, like. Why don't you give any? any love for him but yeah i think i just it's bonkers to see to hear that bergevin is the a nominee for gm of the year for me yeah i uh i was pissed off by the three nominees announced for this no doubt i think it should have been brisewa sakic and honestly this is going to sound homery again but uh dubis even though i hate what he's done this offseason i think <laughs> that what he did even though it didn't Nick, yield the results Nick, of- no, for 15 so, so here's here's the problem here's the problem with the gm of the year award all other awards are voted on at the end of the regular season gm of the year award is voted on in the second round of the playoffs so dumb so dumb yeah yeah because like if you just put in a vacuum in the regular season which they do for all of the other awards then kyle dubas probably should be a nominee because like you look and at how I, little room he had to work with in the the way that he was able to round out that lineup and Sure, it didn't work in the playoffs, but like for the regular season, it looked really good. So I don't know, like, but Sakic clearly should have been nominated for the fact that he was able to get Devin Taves 
away from the GM of the year, Lou Lamorello. And Devin mm-hmm. Taves ended up being one of the probably 10 best defensemen in the league this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, also gets Brandon Saad away from Stan Bowman, who we've already <laughs> talked about as being not very good for various reasons. Um, yeah, the, the Colorado Avalanche have built a really good team, and Joe Sackick is a big part of that. And then Julian Brisewa is probably the person who should have won because look at this team that he's assembled. Look at the way that he manipulated the rules to have Kucherov show up in the playoffs. Look at, look at the fact that he was still able to add to a team that everyone said would have to be subtracted from before the season started. Like, it's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, and what did Lou do? He lost some of his better players and then added a few players because his captain got injured and he was afforded $7 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. And he added players who were probably worse than Anders Lee, for sure. Like, I know it's hard to replace Anders Lee, but Paul Mary didn't really do that much. No, but yeah, like, and he won last year, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Again, another, like, old boys club. Old boys club, for sure. It's so annoying. So... Like, I would – it would be nice to have, like – like, why was Zito even nominated? What did he do? Like, sign Bobrovsky to a ridiculous deal? No, that was, the Bobrovsky was obviously Dale Talon. But, like, he – so he picked up some guys off the scrap heap and Anthony DeClaire and Carter Verhage, who mm. honestly, like, anyone could have picked – could have seen that DeClaire makes sense. And he probably isn't even going to get tenure to – or given, a, like, an offer this year just because of how teams seem to treat Anthony DeClaire for whatever yeah. reason. Racism, but uh, <laughs> no the, idea. The fact is, yeah, he's like a fifty-point player, and he can't get a contract in the NHL. Um, then you've got Verhage was a, a better find for sure, but that's more the ineptitude of other GMs for not realizing that this guy is a good player, and that Tampa Bay was just too stacked and couldn't re-sign him. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I don't know, but like, kudos to him. But I also think beyond that, it's probably Joel Quenville just doing an awesome coaching job to be able he's to like, elevate these guys. Like one of my favorite coaches. He's a great coach. Yeah. So I, I feel like getting a, a first line of Duclair, Barkov, and Verhage to be as dominant as they were, that's on the coach, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I, do, I do think you need to give a little bit of credit to Bill Zito, but I don't think he's a top three GM in the league this last year. No. Yeah, because he didn't really add much beyond that, from what I re- recall. Yeah, give me, give me Sackick, give me Breezeblah. You know, don't give me Bergevin. That's yeah. <laughs> he's inept. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. I can see some arguments for Bergevin, but at the end of the day, like I wasn't super impressed by what he added. I didn't. Yeah, it should be a regular season award as well. Is the main thing. I think the reason that the the only reason really that Lou and Bergevin got the, the nominations and the, the ultimate award is because it was voted on in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so now Jack Adams. So this one went to Rod Brindamore, Rod the Bod. Um, how do you feel about that, Wyatt? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, 100% agreed. Like, great coach. Like, even better person. Just, like, I – yeah, I've seen, like, videos of him, like, in the dressing room, like – players like run through a wall for him. So he's the perfect like amount of like respect and like a player's coach, but like, but still hard nosed, but will like make you be better. Like he's not going to like, Oh, you're an old veteran. 
and I'm just going to like ride you because like I only trust old people. I don't trust like, like you rode Nick Delkovic who like a rookie of the year until like the, what the second round of the playoffs. Like that's unreal to like handle that goalie controversy between him and Mrazek throughout uh, the year. I think is a great, like he's just a great guy. So I'm happy he got his due. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is maybe Quenville is more deserving, but um, just based on looking at those lineups at the beginning of the year, you would say Carolina's is much more talented than Florida's. Mm-hmm. And well, Florida, Barry Trotz, not Barry Trotz, no. Barry Trotz is definitely like if I had to pick one coach in the league to coach my team, it would be Barry Trotz. So yeah. I, I would be okay with him being nominated for sure and potentially winning it, um, especially if this is an award that's voted on in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know if the I don't know if the Jack Adams is. I don't think it is, but uh, Trotz. Trotz is an unreal coach in terms of like getting squeezing as much talent as he can out of a roster. Um, but no, I think, uh, I think Brendan Moore is not a bad choice though. I think he's a deserved yeah. choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think those are all of the major awards I wanted to talk about. Um, we don't really need to talk about the Ted Lindsay. I think it's the same thing as the heart, but yeah. uh, I guess maybe we can just leave off on, it's kind of sad to, to leave off on this note, but uh, the passing of Matisse Kavlinix. So yeah. Um, that was a rough story to hear, uh, dying from getting hit in the chest by a firework. It sounded like on 4th of July, like a, like a mortar, a um, firework mortar hit his chest. Jeez. So like, like it fell over. Yeah. And yeah. Like I think it might be like from point blank range or something like that, or like very close. Yeah. It's just brutal from all accounts. He was a, a great guy and, uh, very personable, very likable. And he was looking like he might have a chance at uh, actually playing in the NHL full-time this year, considering the Blue Jackets are probably going to lose one of their goalies in the offseason. Like Orbisalo yeah. or Merzlikens. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, definitely gone too soon. Sorry to – it's brutal I think, to hear about. Uh, I think Merzlikens was there, and Manny Legacy, their goalie coach, was there as well, which yeah. is just so traumatic, like, to – to have that so yeah like it just seems like it's just like a it's a crazy accident that like clearly you know it was just like chaos like what happened like replay that scenario again and again I don't know if that would happen again but still it's like so tragic and like again like this is not the first firework injury that we've seen in professional sports I think Jason Pierre-Paul had his hand blew, blown up or like his fingers blown off <laughs> yeah fireworks and stuff like that so again like maybe that needs to be regulated (laughs) and like so it doesn't lead to unnecessary death yeah and maybe uh, fireworks are also not great for the environment and (laughs) many other reasons not to do it but um, exactly but the main the main thing to take away from this is just that uh, it sucks that we've lost a guy who had uh who's only 24 years old and had a promising career ahead of him he he was really good for Latvia in the Olympics, or no, in the World Championships or something like that. He like what? Did they beat? I think he beats Canada. Yeah, something like that. So like he's really good goaltender coming up. I think he was like, twenty four years old. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so God. like if they if they'd been able to go with like him and Merzlikens as like the Latvian tandem oh. moving forward, that would have been pretty sweet. So, yeah, so sad, so tragic. So I hope um, 
yeah, I know he'll get like a really good tribute in Columbus. And like, I think Columbus is really rallying around him, right? Uh, and his family. And I hear like his mom is like the nicest person in the world. Yeah. He, like she raised him by herself. And like during the world juniors or something like that, she would come around with like cookies for like the broadcasters and stuff like that. Like just like salt of the earth, like just nicest, like from like very honest roots. So yeah, it's super sad. Yeah, so uh, I guess rest in peace, Matisse Kivlenix. And uh, just to, to try and get into a nicer, happier mood to, to leave things off on, uh, we have a lot to look forward to in the offseason now that it's officially begun. Um, not going to cover any of this stuff on this episode because we've already jam-packed it with tons of stuff. But uh, excited to see the expansion draft, the NHL draft. I've been looking more into prospects recently to see, like, I'm excited about some of the some of the names in this draft. Owen Power is a pretty sweet name. Chaz Lucius, that's a sweet mm-hmm. name. Too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are uh, some interesting ones for sure, and uh, I am excited to see what happens with that. And uh, then free agency, it's all going to happen pretty in pretty quick succession in the latter half in the last half of uh, July. So, uh, yeah, yeah, excited for that, Wyatt. I'm I'm excited for how chaotic um, the the expansion draft is going to be, and like, is Ron Francis going to swindle people like George McPhee did? I think he has to. I think I think they're with the flat cap right now, and just the fact that so many teams are just like up against it, they're going to be trying to sell off guys who have like inflated cap hits. Well, did you mm-hmm. hear about like Victor Arvidsson getting traded? Yeah, because the Nashville knew they were going to lose him if they yeah, put him, if so they didn't protect Ron him. Ron Francis bullied him into like bullied Poyle into like trading him for like something. So they never. It's been smart on Poyle's part to trade him, like to to get any assets for a player right now leading into the expansion draft is like almost impossible to do. Yeah. So, so good for him to get something. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see all these GMs who said we're not going to make the same mistake around this t- the same mistake this time around make the same mistake this time around. It's go it's gonna be like like Jimbo <laughs> like Jim, Jim Benning, Jimbo Benning like oh yeah my. just get ready for like Vancouver's next three years of first round draft picks to be traded away to take away like Jay Beagle and uh, <laughs> Antoine Roussel and Tyler Myers and Louis Erickson. <laughs> Because he just like forgot that that he had like that the money was there. To, and he still has to sign. He's like, oh, I got to sign Pedersen and Hughes this offseason? Crap. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, wait, there's another Hughes? <laughs> wait, hold on. There's another Hughes in this draft that we could pick? Really? Like, <laughs> God. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited for. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see who who they're who the Jets are gonna get, and I. Like, I just don't know who – I forget who they're going to pick, but I don't know. We'll see. Where are they picking? Like, what's their number? They moved uh, – I don't know if they moved up, but – Maybe around 20 or something like that? I think so. I'm trying to look up mock draft stuff, but yeah, – Like, anyway. Brent, Brent, Brent Clark? What a name. <laughs> like, Brent? Like, with a D – and a T. Yeah. <laughs> Branded. T- I think I lost you there, Wyatt. Anyway, I think that's a sign that we should uh, pack this thing in. So uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast, Wyatt. 
and I'll talk to you later. Have a good one.